Hi everyone, quick note before we begin, this episode was filmed back in the beginning of November, so if you hear any references to Halloween or Thanksgiving, that is why. Welcome to Eat Me, Drink Me. I'm Maddie. And I'm Mariah. We're two very different sisters bonding over a common interest in food with a drink in hand. Today's topic is pumpkins. Pumpkin. So I know this was my choice and you said, why are we doing pumpkins? And I thought, tis the season to be pumpkin-esque. It's fall. Halloween is over, but you know, it's still fall time and I get it. most pumpkins were normally associated with like Thanksgiving for a long time too, because you know, pie and the traditional not so actually accurate portrayal of Thanksgiving. So I love me some pumpkin pie. Well, you could think um, you know, early Americans for that actually, but we can get into that. So What did you make for a drink when it came to our lovely pumpkins? So there are lots of pumpkin drinks. You know, you can just search and find lots of little pumpkin spice latte type things that are spiked or, you know, there's just so many. But I want an actual pumpkin in my drink. Pumpkin spice is a craze and... um... I almost made a pumpkin spice white Russian because it sounded so good, but nope, I could not live with myself if I did not put actual pumpkin in my drink. Okay, I was going to say that I would have been a little, you know, upset with you on that one, but I will say I've never had a pumpkin spice latte, so I don't really understand what (laughs) the craze of that, but I get pumpkin spice because of pies and what you can add to it i just have never really just a sugar bomb yeah i if i'm gonna have coffee i want coffee i don't need all that sugar in it anyway so what did you make then so i decided on a pumpkin caparina uh, cocktail so it's a take on a regular caparina but it's got pumpkin and some other like you know more festive flavors in it so what's a caparina 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 kind of i mean i probably butchered that name and you just forced me to say it again um i okay so it's kind of similar to a margarita a traditional you know caprina not this pumpkin one but kind of similar to a margarita in the sense that it's sugar and lime and a liquor and but the liquor is cachaca instead of tequila so that's going to have more of a rum kind of essence, uh, kind of flavor profile. Uh, it's made from cane sugar, um, as opposed to actually had this. It's actually really tasty. It's so. really good. Oh. My ex- email, man, it hates me. Sorry if you heard that ding. Um, the work so, week never stops. I know. Seriously. So what we're going to do is we're going to take half of a lime and we're going to cut it into four different pieces so just like little wedges we're going to have a half an ounce of agave nectar and about a teaspoon of fresh grated ginger now you can substitute this with you know homemade ginger simple syrup or 
ginger liqueur but Ooh, that would be yeah, really good though i know but i just really wanted that fresh grated ginger uh taste to it so i just went with the original recipe um and ginger and pumpkin are a perfect match together oh yeah so you're gonna get those three ingredients and you're gonna muddle those in the bottom of a cocktail shaker then after that's muddled you're gonna add an ounce and a half of the cachaca an ounce and a half of pumpkin puree and some ice and then you're gonna shake it until it's you know nice and mixed and chilled and then you're going to strain it into a glass over ice and garnish it with some uh grated nutmeg and a lime wheel which i'm lazy and i never freaking do garnishes i don't know why so mine doesn't have a garnish on it but that nutmeg actually probably would have been pretty nice you just want the drink now it'd be different somebody was making for you you love instant gratification yeah you just want it now (laughs) well okay but how is it i haven't tasted it yet well, okay. So you as try. you know, I just had to stir it with my finger because it is kind of separating a little despite it being um you know, well, strained. But it makes sense though because regardless of the straining, the pumpkin puree is a lot heavier than the liquor. So it is always going to want to kind of separate. Oh, sure. On and that the part. ice is, you know, kind of melting a little bit. But okay, you just have to since nobody can see you just have to tell them how close is this uh, cocktail to the color of my pants? Oh, that's <laughs> kind of close. It's a it's very pretty of, um, orange. Yeah, though. it's like an orangey yellow, almost like a mustard yellow kind of color. Um, it just kind of um, took away a little bit of that natural orange flavor or color from the pumpkin. So. Yeah. And, you know, once you give it a little stir, it easily reincorporates itself back together again. That's not okay. the right word, but all right. You got to try. try. I heard that swallow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. It's dangerous. It doesn't, you don't taste the alcohol at all. Okay. I was going to say, though, I'm curious what it would be with a little bit more of the liqueur because it seems like there's equal parts liquor to the pumpkin yeah so but I most th- of that pumpkin gets strained out whenever oh, you add you know whenever you oh i get that where i'm just it. i'm curious though if you add a little more of that or if you did the ginger liqueur how that would incorporate a little bit oh, more yeah. to the flavors of it oh, but, but it's so good it's like really balanced i'm actually really surprised see oh, it's not too gingery but you taste that ginger kind of in the background. Oh, that's really freaking good. I'm about to chug this whole thing. Damn it. Go for it. We'll just make another. So I just, I picked myself up a pumpkin beer to be somewhat in the mood, but nice. You know. What kind? Um, I went to Total Wine and they only had two pumpkin beers. Um, I've had the Four Peaks pumpkin so many times. I love the Four Peaks pumpkin. But they also had the Four Peaks peaks double pumpkin which i got instead which is was that the ipa one no it's it's just double the abv of the pumpkin porter so it's an eight percenter versus you know your oh so it's like an imperial yeah and it's tasty nice. still that's kind of what i meant i don't know why i said ipa but i meant imperial you just have to have the right balance with pumpkin and drinks that's why they work so well in a porter oh well if you like beer and you like pumpkin do yourself a favor and do the Voodoo Ranger 
pumpkin, atomic oh, pumpkin. Oh, yeah, that one's it's, so good. It's got a habanero in it, and it's got a little spice. Oh, and it's got a little kick to it, but it's good. What's that one um, pumpkin beer that I really like that has the owl on it? That is Elysian. Okay. But that's, oh, that one's so no, good. The question is, what pumpkin beer from Elysian do you like? Because Elysian has whole... Oh, that was what I was kind of hoping to go into because they have like a pumpkachina one. They have the night owl, which is just like a normal the night owl. I just looked okay. it up. Um, yeah, the night owl. They have that one, and then they have another pumpkin one. Yeah, they have a pump, a uh, pumpkachino night pumpkin. owl. They have dark of the moon pumpkin stout, and the great pumpkin imperial pumpkin ale. I've had all of those, and those are all delicious. But I've only had the night owl, and I really like that one. Well, I was going to say, if you want something that's not a porter or stout, you go for the ale. But I liked your cocktail pairing, and I'm going to definitely have to try it. I wasn't trying to yeah, go on a beer. I'm actually land, really – no, no, no. I, I love it. I actually am really shocked at how uh, well that this worked out. I was a little nervous about it. Um, but – this is something I would 100% serve as like a cocktail for Thanksgiving dinner or, you know. Uh, it, it's something that makes sense, though, too, once you break it down. And like one of my favorite books is actually called the Fa Flavor Bible. And so it just like you look up an ingredient and it tells you all the things that pair well with it. Oh, and like if you're like looking through pumpkin, like ginger is very big and, you know, like brown sugar and like the sugar cane or the agave syrup of sorry the agave of it would make sense of why you're doing that so just all the components put together sound yeah i'm i'm just really pleased with how balanced it is and doesn't overwhelm you with that pumpkin uh flavor it's because i love pumpkin but you know it can be overwhelming sometimes and this is just really really balanced it doesn't have Ew. like that strong pumpkin it just kind of tastes, and it's also not a sugar bomb. It doesn't taste like a slice of pumpkin pie. It tastes like a cocktail. You need a balance. If you're going to do it, you have to, if you know you're going a little bit sweet, that's fine. But like, I will, we'll get into this later during the recipe kind of part. But for school, I have a gardening class where um, we've actually grown a lot of different uh, varieties of pumpkins, especially ones that are uh, native to Arizona. Um, so that's really cool. But part of our projects are to take them home and make something with them. And so I've had to experiment quite a few times with different kinds or with a different pumpkin. And I wasn't trying to do uh, sweet. So I did a lot of savory meals. So that was like soup or something. Yep. That's um, one of the big ones. I made a pasta ricotta stuffed shales the other night. Yeah. Um, I just, it's Dang, a lot this is the, the times that I wish that I lived in the same state as you. Oh, see, oh, I'm going to have a repertoire when you come home to be like, here, we'll dole it out for you. Well, the next time I see you, you'll be here with me. Well, we'll have to find myself a pumpkin or something. Um, I will say before we move on really quickly, I was just thinking about it. And I think, um, I know I omitted the garnishes, but that nutmeg would have been really nice. But I think almost instead of doing it as a garnish, it would be kind of nice to do some sort of like spicy rim on this glass. Like maybe a nutmeg, uh, ginger, you know. Like a candy ginger rim. Oh, candy ginger. Yeah, something just to have 
as you're taking each drink because it kind of it does give me those like margarita vibes so i feel like i need something on that rim you know well maybe on the break you'll have to experiment a little bit and try another take of the drink yeah absolutely all right so um maddie why don't you tell us a little bit about pumpkins and uh their background history all about what they are who eats them all that jazz i'm gonna start this off with just a disclosure i'm going to try my hardest on pronunciation um and as well as wait how do you say that word pronunciation yes i can't (laughs) you can't pronounce pronunciation (laughs) i can't talk very well no you're doing your best you you really care a lot and you try well and i i i always joke i've taken so many different language classes and i'm really good i remember i can do it i can't speak english i don't know how i'm supposed to say other things anyways so pumpkins pumpkins are one of the oldest domesticated plants um, they now grow on every continent except Antarctica. Damn. And that's just because there's actually no warmth on Antarctica and they do need the, the heat. <laughs> yeah. So they grow um, in dad's backyard pretty well. Yeah. Um, my dad decided he wanted to start our dad. <laughs> our dad. Sorry. I don't mean to do that. Our dad. <laughs> I've always done that. And you know, I don't mean offense. It's just whatever. But he started his own pumpkin patch and um, we not like an official pumpkin patch. Um, he just planted some pumpkins in his backyard and it no, grew into a pumpkin patch. Oh, it's <laughs> not like, he's, work. you know, selling them or having people come over for a carnival or something. Oh, no, but he could <laughs> at least I'm probably could. like 15 pumpkins out of it. We minimum. Carved, minimum. Minimum. Yeah, I know. We carved a couple of them and I actually still have one at home that I'm going to cook with as well. Um, he didn't want to cook with them. So, okay. We'll slight see. tangent, but um, how did all of your pumpkins hold up to the javelinas? Because I know a javelina got at least one of them. Are they all so, gone? <laughs> no, the, they would have survived longer. The one on the ground got demolished by the javelina. They smell it and you know, they're on their ancestral pathway when they I walk had through our- no idea that javelinas even came into your neighborhood. Like you live in town. No, but again, so with javelinas, they live, they follow their ancestral pathway. It's just built into them. And so they walk through, it doesn't matter where it is. If you've put a house there, they're going to still walk through that neighborhood because that's what they have done for hundreds of years, like thousands of years. That's it just built into them. Um, but we also have a lot of cacti um, for them to eat. But pumpkins, because pumpkins. Oh, do they eat your cactus? Oh, yeah, they eat our cactus. Um, but they they smelt the pumpkin. And well, OK, so this will get into this part. Um, pumpkins are they're native to the southwestern area, area of North America, down through what is now Mexico and Central America. So like, is that like where they originated? Yes. This area here where I'm living today is basically, you know, where they came from. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be part of Mexico. So it is where the pumpkins originated. And so it makes sense on why they get attracted to them. Interesting. So pumpkins are gourds and squash and fruit 
and fruit. They're very and vegetables. It's a very con- well. <laughs> technically, they're not vegetables or fruit. Okay, but they are also gourds and squash. Not all squash are gourds, but gourds are squash. It's very confusing. I don't wait know. really. Or maybe it's the other way around. It's it's very are confusing. all squash gourds, but not all gourds are squash. I believe so. I believe that is how that goes. They belong to the Cucurbitaceae family, and their like subspecies mostly is the Curbicutea pepo. Sure. Um, they are considered winter squash. So winter squash are har- harvest and ate in the in their mature stage when the seeds um, with it, the seeds have fully matured within them and the skin has hardened. It's a very tough rind on those. So that's why on it's pumpkins, um, winter squash, which pumpkins. Oh, are that's considered. why it's so hard to cut through like butternut squash, spaghetti squash, pumpkins. Yeah, it's, it's so freaking hard to get through them. Yeah. So, um, for a long, long time, the word squash and pumpkin were synonymous because it is squash our pumpkin and pumpkin our squat like it is a very you know and so it was a very like synonymous word for a lot of the time it's like um, whenever i go to the grocery store and buy a zucchini it's just called a green squash exactly and it yeah it, it's very funny because like even in class when we're looking we're like oh is that a squ- oh that's a zucchini but it's a squash too <laughs> so it's just trying to figure out what to call things um there are over 150 types of pumpkins um what of pumpkins not squash or gourds or anything pumpkins pumpkins so like the one that i specifically uh worked with for school is called the rio mayo seguleca um which is named after um the um mayo tribe um that is still around today so um they're they're indigenous group living in the Rio Ma- um, Mayo Valley in southern Sonora. Are those easy to grow? Um, they they were they're they're native seeds. So what we um my teacher really likes to teach us how to grow native food to our region. So the Sonoran Desert specifically. So because those pumpkins were one that was indigenous to our area for so long, um, they work really well. Um. They're very light. It's really cool that they do that. Yeah, it's a lighter, um, lighter shade of orange. So it's not that vibrant orange that you think of when you think of a pumpkin. Hmm. Um, it it kind of the color reminds me of a butternut squash, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's like, up did it taste or, different? Because you you said you cooked it. Um, I didn't think it tasted too different, but like um, the smaller, so the larger the pumpkin the less sweet it's going to be. So the really small, tiny pumpkins usually are what you call like the sweet ones. Um, they're, they're made for pumpkin pie or any sweet desserts. But so the larger your pumpkin gets, the less sweet it is. So I just made savory dishes with mine. So um, I'm really jealous that you, I'm really jealous of that ravioli. Well, I'll have to make it again. It was actually quite tasty. Um, but like there are pink pumpkins. There's a pumpkin that has red hues to it, but they're all over the place. Um, everything on the pumpkin is edible from the seeds to 
the skin to the pulp. Um, we'll get to it. The flesh, um, even the leaves and the flowers. Yeah, I was just so. going to say the flowers are too. Oh, yeah. Oh, stuffed squash blossoms are so tasty. Oh, so I've never tasty. had them, but I have heard of them before. So um, I've only had them because we had a lot of growing pumpkins. So we had a lot of squash blossoms. So we utilize those. But that's not something that you can easily find in the store. Um, they're very delicate. So it's not something that's just, you know, easily found. What do you stuff them with? Um, we... St- I stuffed mine with ricotta and herbs, and then you like dip it in egg and a panko mixture and deep fry them. Oh, dude. You, you have me at ricotta. I freaking love ricotta so much. I actually think I sent you a picture of them a while ago, so you might have to re- look through your messages. Oh. Um, but so when we are trying to break down the word pumpkin, there are so many different words for pumpkin because it has been around for so long. Like I said, it is one of the oldest domesticated plants. Um, so like seeds of pumpkins have been found in um, the Hawaka area um, that have been estimated to be almost 8,000 to 10,000 years old. So like- Oaxaca, if you look, Mexico? Yeah. Wow. So- if well, you look like where they're originally kind of from, so that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So like that's crazy if you look, they didn't break down. If you look through the different dates of there's so many different dates, but like you can find it from like eight thousand eight thousand seven hundred and fifty BCE to anywhere from seven thousand to five thousand BCE. So it kind of just varies, but they have been a part of Mayan culture, Aztec culture, like for so long and it just continued on. Um, So when we're trying to figure out the word of where it came from, you can either go with, you know, the indigenous word or later in um, time when Europeans come around, um, they have the Greek word, which means pepon, which is large melon. Um, and then the French then kind of pushed it towards <laughs> Pempon. I just instantly wanted to say, you got a large melon. <laughs> <laughs> and then the English then called it Pimpion. And then the American settlers, when they came to what is now America, they called it a pumpkin. But then you can also go to, if you go to the Massachusetts word pumpkin, um, it's uh it means grows fourth round it was the tribe that was there and so it would have been used by the wapanago wapanago people um yeah i think that's right and they uh first introduced the pumpkins to the english pilgrims on pilmouth um colony so you know there's so many different ways it's like who really, where did the word really come from? Especially because it's been along, around for so long. So especially again, like I said. Um, well, and if it's grown on all, you know, all the continents except for Antarctica, I'm sure different continents have different names for it and they think that they found it and then they think that they found it. But and- no, no. Everybody knows that it came to Europe. It, seeds were brought to Europe. So it was just like, they just kind of classified it. Well, they're like large melons. So they took that word and kind of went around but then they didn't have like their own word for it 
Yeah, because, well, like that word wasn't in their language, so they came up with a new one. I yeah, read something. You might have this in your notes, um, and I hope you do because I didn't look into it at all. But I read something about how the word pumpkin wasn't actually like a word until the 17th century, and the first time it was ever used was in the book Cinderella. Like the actual word pumpkin, they had word like they knew what pumpkins were. They had the, their just different words for it, like those Greek words you know whatever but the actual word pumpkin i heard the first time it was used or I read somewhere briefly as like a fun fact that it was the first time it was used was in the book cinderella well then that fake i could be a no i i, I can totally understand that because though but like the only reason i would say Actually, no, that makes a lot of sense because it's about 1700 like i said because the american settlers we're still calling it by the French or English term or the, you know, um, until they came to America for and decided to switch the verbiage to pumpkin. So after so long, so maybe after so many years, the terminology got switched around. Yeah, that's um, interesting. But that's where, again, like I said, the word squash and pumpkin have been synonymous for so long. Like there's so many different indigenous words for pumpkin, but then it also, the word squash got combined in there for a lot of time. Even even the Mayans and um, the um, Aztecs, they combine them back and forth. So the word calabasa, cal 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 oh, fucking A. I'm double checking it. Calabaza. So I've heard so that this, word before. Yeah. So the, is there a restaurant? Maybe. So oh, the Mexican Mex, Mexican word for squash is calabaza, but it is both pumpkin or squash. So it just kind of goes back and forth. Is that just like what it is in Spanish? Yes. Oh, okay. That's where I've heard it. That's where you heard it. And that's why I was like, I hear it all the time. I'm not trying to butcher it. Um, but so like I said, we have found seeds from 10,000 years ago and the Aztecs actually used it in their own little um ceremonies and same with the Mayans they do they either ate it but they also did ritual um offerings with it they had the Aztecs had their own month which was the feast of the dead the little feast of the dead which is basically what is now a uh, Dia de los, de los Muertos so what? Dia de los Jesus Christ Dia de los Muertos. Thank you. <laughs> Dia de, de los Muertos. Muertos. I have said it all day today, and so the minute I'm trying to actually say it, it does not work. Dia de los Muertos. Um, they used them, and that was they used it. Their seeds. They used their oils. Um, and now today, the pumpkin is still used in common dishes to celebrate Dia de los Dia de los Muertos. Um, so as indigenous people started utilizing pumpkins, they were domesticated, just like any other plant. What does that mean, domesticated? Like, do people just grew them on farms or grew them, like, for profit? Like, I can understand an animal being domesticated, but, like, what does it mean for a plant to be domesticated? So any plant that we know today, like oranges or anything like that, they all had their own native ancestor that just grew wild and did their own thing. And it wouldn't have survived very, like they survived, but it wasn't hardy. Like the smaller, like pumpkins that we know today are not the pumpkins that they had. 
So the original pumpkins were small and hard with a bitter taste. Oh, I've heard the smaller ones, though, are sweeter, no? Yes, they are sweeter, but these weren't. They were smaller and hard and bitter just because of the way they were. But so once humans started um, actually, like, taking the time to care or noticing, like, oh, there's, like, something attacking this one or, like, trying to make it so that anytime human interaction comes around, that it starts domesticating it. So, like, it, they started noticing that, like, hey, if they took, like, the leaves that looked bad off started, like, you know, things started working better. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, anytime human interaction starts playing with their food, things get a little bit better. Um, And so, while uh, pumpkins were used for food, they were also um, cut into long strips that were dried and used to make mats. Oh, I um, read that. That was pretty cool. I was thinking, I was like, that would be a really fun um, like DIY project is to try to replicate that. Yeah. And I'm really curious on how that works, but it, it I'm sure you it were like, like cut into strips and dried, almost well, like hide, I would imagine. And and it's assuming- kind of like jerky. Yes. And I'm assuming since it was so um, tough compared to the, pump- I know our pumpkin rinds today are tough, but I'm assuming those were a lot more, you or know, just they cut thicker pieces thicker. or something. That's true. Um, so they were dried and used to make mats. Um, I know at some point it was also used as medicine. The pulp and the sap could be used um, as burn cures and they were once used as a remedy for uh, or considered to be a remedy for freckles <laughs> yeah i saw that i thought but it was like freckles and, and snake, snake bites, bites. <laughs> you and i saw the same thing it is that what they think that freckles are it's just a bunch of snake bites on your face <laughs> yeah i'm i'm also curious because i'm pretty sure the way you did it was you just rubbed it with like some honey and salt on your face Okay, so like, I don't you're know. You're just exfoliating the... yourself and like making yourself turn orange. Yeah, your freckles are going to disappear. Well, there's something um I didn't look into this at all at all, but I know that whenever I was in school to be an esthetician, we would sometimes use pumpkin as a skin brightener. Um so there are like pumpkin ingredients or you know the enzymes and things that can really actually like lighten the uh, pigment of your skin, therefore possibly reducing those look of uh, hyperpigmentation of your freckles. So it could be that maybe that's what it was. It's just like, I wonder why they wanted to get rid of, I mean, I guess there have been plenty of times I wanted to get rid of my freckles, but I don't know. I wonder why that was like such a thing to get rid of them. Snake bites I get, sure. Maybe there's something that sucks the venom out or I don't know, but yeah, I wonder if what freckles signified back in the day, if it was just like a bad omen or something like that. Um, Freckles, you're therefore a redhead and have no soul. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) But um, you're out in the sun a little too much and you, your skin is too white and can't handle it. I feel like that's bullshit because I got a vitamin D deficiency and I got a lot of freckles. So how does that work? Um, But it was also used as a diuretic. I know that. Like I said, this was just a staple part of indigenous people's lives. And 
Columbus, oh, when Columbus came, he um, saw his first pumpkin patch in 1493. And he took the seeds back with him, like, you know, with everything else. Didn't he do that with chocolate, too? Um, in our chocolate episode, wasn't it Christopher Columbus that did that? Yeah, well, we had three different origins on where Christopher Columbus. That was one of the options. One of them, yeah. yeah. But it makes sense with everything the uh, the Columbus Exchange did, you know. He just um, loaded up on everything and was like. Oh, yeah. And well, and then back to that he also left a bunch of pigs so i'll give you pigs in exchange for chocolate and pumpkins (laughs) that's a good good uh trade-off there Mm -hmm. um but um the environment really funny (laughs) (laughs) it's a good barter system it just unfortunately he also unleashed a bunch of disease so (laughs) not the best for our system maybe they thought of pigs as like pests so he was like hey i'll give you something nice but he was like actually not doing it he's like here's some disease too here's some blankets all right they have lots of disease on them i'm gonna take all your pumpkins and chocolate thanks bye could see that for sure with the Um, hands like i'm doing like the Um, uh, alexis rose yes that's exactly what i was gonna say the alexis hands but once he took them it took a long time for them to gain popularity like um they needed a little bit of warmer climate you know so they did thrive a little bit better um in like spain and france um and the earliest evidence of pumpkins in europe came from the prayer book of of (laughs) and annoyed (laughs) she has been headbutting my microphone and jumping off and just she just wants to be the third host it's fine (laughs) i love her it's just very annoying sometimes um so the earliest evidence of pumpkins in europe comes from the prayer book of anne de uh um she was a duchess of Brittany, and it shows like a picture of the like the vine and the fruit um and flowers that the pumpkins produce Hmm. so it's just a nice little illustration of it um and so by the 16th century and that was like i believe in 1504 1508 around that time so by the 16th century like as i said especially in france and spain pumpkins were growing on a mass scale but most people are still kind of weary about eating them, and they were mostly animal feed at that point. Um, Scrap. Pigs were abundant. Pigs love it, and I'm sorry, like pig. If Havelina likes it, how Havelina likes pumpkin, you don't think pup, pigs are gonna Absolutely. go crazy? I mean, that's that. a big thing. Um, you know, after Halloween, they highly encourage people don't throw away their pumpkins. Instead, just put them out for the animals. Like if you live in a place with deer, deer, like just cut them open or smash them open or whatever, and put them near where there are some deer. And the oh, I deer put, absolutely love them. Like you were asking what I did with the rest of mine. Um, they is decided to become 90 degrees the last two days after halloween so it got yeah it's been extremely stupid hot for some reason again and they started wilting really bad and getting kind of gross and moldy so i just threw them out by my compost which the bunny the bunnies love so who knows what they'll do with that Hmm. um moldy pumpkin i love it 
Oh yeah. So as you know, the like settlers came to what is now um um United States. Um, they started building up their new homes, and the winters, as we know, uh, definitely caught them off guard. And originally, they pushed back on the idea of having pumpkins, and um, especially since you know the indigenous tribes around were trying to show them what they could use and stuff, but they didn't want to use it. But then they realized that the pumpkins survived the harsh winters. So anything that lasted months. Yeah. So you basically you plant them in like May, June, and they're ready by October and then they can last months and months. So they were, especially back then, they, you know, the way you, can you leave them on the vine longer? Like, okay. One, I don't know anything about pumpkins and maybe you know this from dad and his pumpkin journey that he's going on. But like if he were to leave them on the vine, do they go bad on the vine? Oh, dang. They'll rot. Um, You need to pick them. So if you pick them when they're green, they will slowly maybe turn to the color you want to. They'll like they'll start ripening after you take them off the vine still, but you want to usually take them when they're ripe or almost ripe because then they'll continue. But what but do you mean by they survive the harsh winters then? They don't like after the, they're off the vine. Yes, because on the vine they're still getting um nutrients from the earth. Oh, I see. And it's continuously allowing them to grow and grow and grow to a point where they can't sustain themselves. So once you cut that off. It's no longer growing. It is just this. Yeah, gourds in general just last a really long time. Like you can buy a butternut squash and let it sit on your counter for a few weeks. Like it's no problem. Yeah. So think about in like that makes sense. You know the 1600s when they really great can, resource for over the winters. Yeah, you can leave it out for a really long time. So with that in the you know the harsh winters that actually made them want to eat pumpkin and know what to do with it um it reminds me of um in the podcast wine and crime how kenyan uh talks about her time in france and how she was fed pumpkin soup literally every single night and it's really funny because like i said france was one of those places that actually boomed with the pumpkins once they brought those seeds back like france did it up um what like i said what we know as pumpkin pie started with these early settlers um they found a way to like instead of doing the savory stuff or using it for um mats or medicine um they sliced the top off removed all the seeds and filled it with milk spices and honey um and baked it in hot ashes so it became their own little pumpkin pie um which i also hear if you bake a real pumpkin pie inside a pumpkin that's also really good because then you have the layer of pumpkin as the crust Mm. and then the pumpkin pie sweetness inside of it you're reminding me a lot of um sam wise from (laughs) oh yeah yeah Sorry, oh, Lord of the Rings. Sam Wise, he talks about potatoes and he goes, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. <laughs> Raya, you're talking to me. You act like I don't know who Sam Wise is. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Okay. You know. I was going um, to say, I was gonna say that, for Tom's birthday, we did a Lord of the Rings marathon. 
Ooh, that's fun. Oh yeah, he loves it. I I freaking love that saying that he says of potatoes, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. I really want to get like a a picture of something to put in my kitchen that says that. I think that'd be perfect. It's mm-hmm. a good little thing. Show a little oh. bit of the nerdy side without oh. showing the nerdy side. <laughs> See, that's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So one of the earliest recipes like that was written down and documented, not the earliest recipe, but one of the most documented one was um, from the 17th century book written by a New England traveler named John Jocelyn. Um, the dish calls for a boiling diced pumpkin for a day and stewing the remains. You add butter, vinegar, ginger, and then you add your protein um, of your choice. Apparently, though, he does warn that it will cause frequent trips to the bathroom and a windy stomach. So I think think they were putting a lot of ginger in it. Like ginger (laughs) settles your your stomach. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. If the pumpkin was known as a diuretic and you're adding ginger to it too like i wonder if it was just a weird combination of like isn't there something with pumpkin too that uh does it helps your digestive system i mean i know whenever my dogs are having digestive issues you just give them like a scoop of pumpkin and well, that's what I'm saying. Pumpkin helps. is pumpkin was used as a diuretic. So I'm just saying combination of the two. One is like, yeah, I need to go. Oh, I'm gonna settle your stomach though. So you're just gonna have, you know, ginger it's settles. Like real regular. It's a very interesting combination. <laughs> um, but it even got to the point where American colonists were so heavily relied on pumpkin. Um, they wrote a little poem that I found, which was for pottage and puddings and custards and pies, our pumpkins and parsnips are common supplies. We have pumpkins at morning and we have pumpkins at noon. If it were not for pumpkins, we should be undone. Wow. So I think they really realized that they, they really would have- like pumpkins. No, I think they would have died without pumpkins. Yeah, so they really like them. <laughs> A little bit of both, yeah. They value their lives. <laughs> Um, so with the industrialization, you know, canned options were readily available and popular for people so the everyday person no longer really needed to grow themselves pumpkins and farmers took over. Um, now in between that time as well, that's when the Irish brought over a tradition, which we all know as carving pumpkins do you know where that came from mariah i sure do but i know that you're gonna tell me because just because i know doesn't mean that the listeners know (laughs) what do you what what do you know about it i'm kind of curious i know that the irish um originally you know brought over the idea of uh carving pumpkins but it started with potatoes and parsnips do you know what the story of that is though sure do but only from the morbid podcast Okay, well, I'll give it to everybody else. So the practice of carving pumpkins, like Mariah said, started with um, parsnips or turnips or potatoes. Um, Which is so much creepier. Can I just say uh, a carved out face on a turnip or something just sounds just 
Oh, it's freaking creepy because they are tiny or and you're just carrot. Like it's no. just creepy. Do you but put, I, do you put a little mini candle in there? How does that work? No, that doesn't work. Well, so according to the story, um, there was an Irish man named Stringy Jack. And Stringy Jack and <laughs> Yeah. He invited the devil to have a drink with him. Oh yeah. Okay. And that sounds true, familiar. True to his name, Stringy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink. So he convinced the devil that Why he is that true to his name. I was stingy. Sorry, stingy Jack. <laughs> <laughs> there was an R for some reason in the first one, so I just went in. <laughs> stingy Jack. I was like, what about being stringy? <laughs> I thought he was like long and lanky, you know? <laughs> I like that too. It kind of made me thought of like yeah, Jack I Skeleton. Whole, I have a whole new visual now. <laughs> Stingy Jack um, didn't want to pay for his drink, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin um, that Jack could use to pay for his drinks. And once the devil did that, Jack decided to keep the money and he pocketed it and put it by a silver cross, which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Eventually, Jack freed the devil and told him, hey, leave me alone for the next year, and if I die... You can't claim my soul. So the next year, the devil came back and Jack tricked him by climbing into a tree full of fruit. And while he was on the tree, he carved a sign of the cross into the tree's bark so the devil couldn't come down. Or so the devil couldn't come down. Sorry, he he tricked the devil to climbing the tree and then he uh, put the cross in him. So he couldn't come down. Yeah. So and he said, Okay, I won't promise you for 10 more years if you let me come down. So he did. And soon Why after that, just do that to begin with. I don't, who knows? Soon after that, Jack died. And as the legend goes, God didn't want him in there. He was like, You're, you know, you played some games with you're the devil. You're a stringy dude. <laughs> I don't, yeah, you're too stringy. I don't need you in there. Um, and the devil, upset with the trick that Jack played, wouldn't claim his soul anymore. And so Jack couldn't go to hell. So he was in limbo. He sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way away. And Jack put this coal into a carved out turnip and became roaming the earth ever since. The Irish began to refer to this ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern and then Janko Lantern. And when they, you know, in... um. 1820 to about 1860 there was a mass migration of irish settlers to the americas and they realized that carving pumpkins worked a little bit better than carving a turnip i or was a just gonna ask how you put a piece of coal into a turnip but yep pumpkin yeah. works a little bit better also so, candle works better than coal yeah, I feel like a coal would just, when but it just burn through. That's fine. As of 2020, um, U.S. growers now grow over 1.5 billion pumpkins a year. So that was just pumpkins in general that the U.S. produced. They are not the um, larger, the largest producer of pumpkins, though. It is China now, which is interesting because you would think we're pumpkins came from we would be the largest producer but yeah or mexico well we aren't it goes china 
Russia and then Africa, I believe. Um, but more in- at one point, the largest, I don't think it's the current largest um, pumpkin, but I heard that at one point it was in Germany. So I wonder if Germany has a pretty good. I understand. We'll go. We'll get to it. Give I'm me just curious second. about Germany, Germany's uh, growing, uh, like their prominence. But no. Um. Well. So. Okay. Hold on. So Morton, Illinois, was dubbed the pumpkin capital of the world in 1978 because at that time Libby's pumpkin plant canned 85 percent of the world's pumpkin. Jeez, Louise! All in one city. Mm-hmm. And that was. The United States for a long time, you know. So mm-hmm. over so long that production has lost, but um, are they still considered the quote unquote pumpkin capital? They are still considered the pumpkin capital of the world, and Illinois is still the largest producer of pumpkins in the U.S. So Libby still has a um, annual. They have a festival in Morton every year. It's been going on fifty years. Um, I'd be and- down to go to a pumpkin festival. Yeah, it seems really cool. They have a lot of things going on. Um, but oddly enough, New Hampshire state fruit is the pumpkin. So they also mm-hmm. have a festival which tries to beat the record of the most pumpkins lit at once. So that's a big Random. Feat. Yeah, I thought it was weird. Um, but like now today, there's the insane pumpkin craze which we kind of talked about um, and Starbucks released their first pumpkin spice. Oh, pumpkin latte. spice. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. In 2003. Um, but they didn't add pumpkin, real pumpkin to it until years later. Um, but that pumpkin spice mixture that everybody is so obsessed with is just cinnamon, cloves, allspice, ginger, and nutmeg. Yep. And that came out in the thirties. Oh, um, so that the spices I wonder if of it's that, just meant to like amplify and like enhance the flavor of the pumpkin and like complement it you know what i mean in a pumpkin it, pie it is because those spices are part of the core spices that were used in the so-called first pie that they used to use ginger was one of those spices that they would mix with the milk and bake in their pumpkin um so that makes sense that uh, hey that kind of m- explains why ginger is in this drink that i made because oh yeah they it's... are tried and true is to complement each other oh yeah they and they have done it for hundreds of years so now getting to your question about the pumpkin so the average weight of a pumpkin is about 10 to 20 pounds unless you're working with the Cucurbita maxima, which is another like oh, those are like the giant pumpkins, like that certain variety of pumpkin. Okay, and the heaviest pumpkin to date, it used to be belonging to a Belgium farmer, and it was two thousand six hundred and twenty-four point six pounds. As of September twenty-six, twenty twenty-one, that broken record has been broken. That pumpkin now to date, please, if you would like to go to the dry, there are pictures. The heaviest oh pumpkin God. to date is 2,000 pounds, 702, or sorry, 2,702 pounds and 13.9 ounces or refreshing, refreshing. sorry, 1,226 kilograms. 
So it's either 2,700 pounds or 1,200 kilograms, basically. It is the no-name document. Oh, it's huge. It is the size, basically, of roughly 17.5 adult men. I mean, that doesn't look like it is compared to the man that's standing next down. to it. Oh, oh yeah, large... I guess I can see that. It's oh, a very large wise, it's that much. Oh, yeah, weight-wise, not, not size. Not volume. Yeah. Because they're like 90% water. Yes, they are 90% water, which is very interesting fact of, I should have said that. So thank you for throwing that out there. Um, that is wild. I just thought it was crazy because there was a set record for so long. And if you look, that is still set the said set record in the Guinness World Record book. But because it just got broken this year. This year. Wow, that's huge. We'll definitely put a picture of this up on our stuff, but on our like social media stuff. But I, so I'm looking at the stem. One, I'm a little confused because it has two stem, but maybe that's because it's like a continue, like part of a middle of a stem or something. But they're, it looks like they're dipped in water. Like they have buckets of water that those stems are going into. So obviously they're kind of keeping it alive in some way, shape or form. Yeah, that is interesting. I do see how you're saying. I wonder if, okay, so I guess you really don't, that is how a pumpkin will grow because then it will continue right, it's on off, a vine. So it's and like, then there's other ones that pop off. Right. right. Um, I wonder. That man I looks am, so proud. <laughs> yeah, his name is uh, Stefano Cartapir. Car- I'm not going to pronounce his last name. His name is Stefano. So I had, um, uh note that the u.s record was 20 a little over 2500 pounds by a guy named carl haste in clarence center new york but that was in 2019 so obviously in the belgian guy or the german guy or whatever uh broke it and then now this guy broke it where was this newest 2021 when did that where did that one happen um he was a a italian farmer so is an italian yeah um but besides that. that my only other really thing is you know we have our common media that you see pumpkins in like the great pumpkin charlie brown or oh, um, the yeah. Leg- legend of sleepy hollow um like the headless horseman yeah i tr- yeah i will say there's some stuff i didn't quite get into because there's so much different stuff with it um and maybe this will be have to be its own episode at some point, just like symbolism of yeah, food. Absolutely. Um, We've kind of talked about that before too, is that there's so much that could go into that. That could be a multi-part series in and of itself. Yeah. And I just trying to figure out specifically, because I don't want to do any, um, I, I want to make sure I'm actually getting the information right, especially because there's so much out there. As far as I know, according to a couple of different websites, like there's different symbolic meaning for a lot of it. Like um, in China, it's a luck bringer or um, right, right. prosperity um, of yeah, that. Let's, let's wait and do a whole episode about that because I okay. think that that's um, there's a lot to get into on that topic alone. I just thought it was interesting because it's just um, there is a lot in that play of. Um, also why 
like that story of the Jack Leonard, but why pumpkins have been associated with like the Day of the Dead or Halloween or any of that kind of, um, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but that's my little history so far of what I could wrap up of. Well, awesome. Good job. I know there's quite too a that lot fun. to that, but. Honestly, whenever I saw pumpkins as a topic, um, not going to lie, I was like, well, that's boring. <laughs> but it's actually really, like, there was a lot more that I didn't know about at all. It's older than corn. We've been using it longer than corn. and That's wild. Or about almost the same time. And so since corn is so known and stuff, I think it's crazy that pumpkins aren't, because I'm sure you'll get into this on your nutrition part, but pumpkins are really healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Low calorie. High. We'll talk about it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Back and better than ever, baby. How was your drink refill and your doggy food refill? Yep. Doggies got fed and let out. I got myself another drink. I used your recommendation i haven't tried it so i don't know if your recommendation is a good recommendation or not but i made it a little boozier and so i have an ounce and a half of um the cachaca i used uh, i kind of eyeballed it but it's closer to two ounces ounces um maybe a little more (laughs) but not like two and a half it's not like to that extent it's just you know around there um and then i did a rim on it um, I kind of just eyeballed it. I didn't even taste it ahead of time. I should have. What did you put on the rim? I put on the rim. I mixed together a little bit of like ginger powder, um, some pumpkin pie spice, and some sugar. Okay, I was gonna say you need something to sweeten that up because that's gonna be a lot of harsh spice in your mouth real quick. Yeah. Let's so. see. It. Oh, it's already kind of separated again. It separates, but it's really not, like, too bad. I keep making it sound like it's bad. Like, okay, if I hold this up, can you see it separated? I get what you mean. Right there, but it mixes again really easily. I mean, you could even just do a quick little swirl, and it'll be back. I got myself a new drink as well. I'm going to taste this while you tell me about your drink. I just got my last pumpkin ale. It's from Unuenta, so it's just a basic pumpkin ale. It's not bad. Like there's ones that taste a little bit more like pumpkin pie or there's ones that taste a little too pumpkin-y, but it's not my favorite, I will say, but I do like Uinta, so maybe it's just the pumpkin. Like I said, it's a hit or miss on people. On pumpkin drinks, yeah. Yeah, like- This is good. I would say that this cocktail does taste, okay, it was really, really balanced and perfect before like a cocktail should be, but adding that extra like half ounce of the cachaca makes it tastes a little slightly boozy but not it's, in an unbalanced way yet you know what i mean it tastes it, like it's definitely booze booze does it taste now. like the holidays where you're supposed to have that extra booze because you're kind of have family that, like, spice and like a little bit in the back of your throat a little bit yeah yeah but not too bad at all the rim is good the candy or sorry um this sugar actually makes it a little bit more candy-esque with the pumpkin yeah, and i kind of just eyeballed it but it's definitely way more sugar and then second amount is pumpkin pie spice, and then the ginger is uh, kind of sparse. No, that sounds good. I'm gonna have to try it. There's already ginger in the drink, so. Well, since we're all we're all boozed up again, 
let's get all healthy. Yeah. So we're going to now talk about the nutrition facts of pumpkin. So I'm going to go through two different things. I'm going to try to make this not boring. I know it's always boring, at least uh, to the average person is probably boring. To me, it's fascinating. <laughs> um, but I'm going to talk about like the street, just nutrition facts of pumpkin. I'm going to do it in a canned pumpkin form. And I'm also going to do it for pumpkin seeds because both have their merits and they both have really uh, different values of different things. You'd be surprised to know that canned pumpkin, uh, like one cup of canned pumpkin is 209% of your daily value of vitamin A. So in addition to the vitamin A and of real, being a great source of that, it's also a really good source of vitamin K with 37% of your daily value copper with 28% of your daily value, uh, vitamin E with 22% of your daily value. Um, and then it contains a bunch of other, you know, things that are in smaller doses, but those include iron, magnesium, uh, the riboflavin, uh, vitamin B6, vitamin C, and potassium. Uh, so can I ask a stupid question? And I think this might be a fun little, like, Hopefully small talk answer yeah well i would <laughs> assume you would but it'd be a fun like small um segment that we could do just to also um help the listeners know on this portion what these are about like what is vitamin a used for it's going to support your immune system it's going to uh could lower your risk of certain cancers can act as like that antioxidant that's interesting. Okay. So yeah, and then that was that was just the canned pumpkin, correct? That's canned pumpkin, yeah. Okay. Um, just because that's where you're gonna find a higher concentration, you know, not all that water's in there. It's just like oh yeah, get all the goods. Like, mm -hmm. Um to further, you know, what you were talking about, like vitamin K plays a role in like blood clotting and bone metabolism and regulating your blood calcium levels. That kind of thing. So like it's just every drink that you have, you're promoting your blood. You know, yeah, that's I'm I'm drinking this cocktail for my health. See, see, that's why we do this. We're trying to give you ways to uh, get your vitamins through your daily drink. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, and oh, I was gonna say that. So that one cup of canned pumpkin, it's gonna be about 137 calories. Um, three grams of that is going to be, or three grams is protein. So that means That's not bad, 12, 12 calories is protein. Um, seven grams is gonna be fat, and so that is what's 63 of the calories are gonna be fat and uh 19 grams are going to be carbs and so that is 80 76 i can do quick math in my head look at that 76 calories is i'm be just from believing that carbs. all of these equations that are going on in your mind anyways <laughs> so um i don't know if you know this but a quick breakdown so protein and carbs for every gram of protein or carbs that's four calories and then for okay. fat it's nine calories for every one gram See, I, I, I do have a nutrition book and I'm supposed to technically get a class in nutrition, which was not nutrition. So <laughs> I just need to, um, I'm going to have to talk to you a little bit more about this. Yeah. It's also uh, got some fiber in it, which is good. Um, so it's very healthy all around. There's a lot to it. And like, oh you my said, gosh. Yeah, the, absolutely. The canned pumpkin is just exactly what it is. The, the core of the pumpkin, because 
there's not that 90% water. So it's the 10% of the good stuff. Right. Exactly. Um, so moving on to pumpkin seeds or pepitas. Um, I don't know if you remember Maddie, but we used to eat those so much as oh, a snack yeah. when we were kids. Mom used to always buy us pepitas. We would have them on salads and stuff like that too. Um, I have made, um, actually probably at least three trays worth of pumpkin seeds nice. in the last couple of weeks. So I have a stockpile. Yum. I love, oh my gosh. One year I got all the seeds from after carving pumpkins and I made different batches of different flavors of pumpkin seeds. So when I did like a cinnamon, sugar, butter, and like kind of mixed them in and baked them and one I did like a spicy one and the one I just did plain salted and it was oh, so good. Yep. There it's I'll have to bring you some if I have any extra. Yes, please. Um, okay, so a nutrient breakdown is uh for one ounce of pumpkin seeds in their shell. Uh, it's going to be 86 calories, uh, four grams of protein, seven grams of fat, and two grams of carbs with one gram of fiber. Um, and one pumpkin seed, there is four grams of one protein. One ounce. Oh, okay. Of pumpkin seeds. So okay, it's it like so 15 grams approximately of pumpkin seeds in their shell. That makes um, so much more sense. Yeah, I don't know how many actual like pumpkin seeds that would be, but one ounce, not just one <laughs> i'd say um, a small little handful if anything yeah. it's not that much right okay from there we go to copper it has 21 percent of your daily value which is amazing um magnesium 20 percent, phosphorus 14 percent, and zinc has 10 percent. so it's kind of nice because it has um some different nutritional components than the actual um canned pumpkin so making it a little bit more of a complete thing if you have both any of those ingredients that you're curious about um i am curious because you were very excited about the copper so copper is good oh for no i was just shocked at how much there actually was uh, i wasn't necessarily excited about it but copper um, um i'm gonna google it just to make sure that i'm like getting this totally right but i'm sorry you know a lot more about vitamins and like the yeah but i definitely don't have them all memorized no but... i know i'm just <laughs> saying like i appreciate anything so here it says Together with iron, it enables the body to form red blood cells. It helps maintain healthy bones, blood vessels, nerves, and immune function, and it contributes to iron absorption. So very important, especially if you're prone to anemia. All right. So um, that's that's my bit. So Maddie, tell us, uh, give us some recipes. Get a, give us some like fun ideas for some holiday meals. So... I'm going to throw out a little bit more um, on this one than I usually do, just because I actually have been I'm working excited. with pumpkin a little bit more. Um, even though the pumpkin I am not using is the traditional pumpkin you find in a grocery store, it will work exactly the same and probably like, you know, even a little bit, I don't want to say better, but like um, there is, you know what you're getting out of that pumpkin as a like normal consumer right um, um but i'm gonna have to make soup i guess out of a normal pumpkin see if there's a difference because i i really enjoyed the pumpkin i made um with the real mile um you but, made the soup you made yeah the soup so well i made a pumpkin soup and the recipe i am going to be providing is actually 
not one off the internet. It is one out of my own brain. Um, I Ooh. I looked at like 10 different recipes and in the end, I just combined a bunch of stuff all together. So what you're going to be doing is adding garlic and onion and carrot. Um, there is um, obviously a good amount of the pumpkin puree, which we got from roasting an actual pumpkin, not the canned. You can always do the can if you want, but actually doing it with a pumpkin, you get to utilize the pumpkin seeds and do some fun recipes with that as well. Um, and the pumpkin like pulp that comes with the seeds, you can just freeze that and add that to a stock at any time. So you don't, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I also found that you could use the skin and that's where it's going to be hard. Cause if you are, um, roasting it, the skin is going to be done at that point, but you could always try to peel it and um, I guess you dry it and make them into chips, like uh, dehydrated a little bit. Huh. Um, but the pumpkin soup, um, I also added chicken stock to it, a little heavy cream because I was trying to make it a little bit creamy. Yeah. And then basically you just pulverize it. I have a hand. Uh, a I was going to say, do you use like an emulsion blender? Yeah, I have one of those. So it is, um, if you use a blender, you could definitely do that. Just Please, please, please remember to let it cool down a little bit because if you put any hot liquid into a blender and cover it, it will explode. So, been there, done that, but it hasn't exploded. But Ryan always tells me it's going to explode, it's going to explode. And I'm like, nah, it's fine. <laughs> I have never done it and I will never do it because I am not going <laughs> to clean stuff off my ceiling. So, yeah, it creates too much like that hot air in there, creates too much pressure blows um, the top off oh yeah you just like pulse it a little bit and then let the top off a little bit and then put it back on it's fine well i'm not here gotta... condoning <laughs> bad habits but <laughs> hey to each their own you're in your own house i I'm really like using it. an emulsion blender though and it's nice because you can still keep it uh simmering on the stove as you blend it yeah i've uh, used that for a potato soup before and it's just real good there are a few little other ingredients to it, but it's mostly, you know, just pumpkin, carrot, ginger, onions. It's a good mixture. And um, and it's meant to be kind of like a, is it's not meant to be a soup in like where there's chunks in it, right? It's meant to be like a creamy soup, like a yeah, bisque or something, right? Yes. It's more like a tomato bisque kind of ask. Okay. So once you puree it, um, I actually had to cook a bunch of, um, brioche bread for school so I had a bunch of brioche rolls that we just ate with it um so that was really tasty I love brioche and um you could always top it with um pumpkin oil but I topped it with sesame oil sesame oil oil. I've never even heard of pumpkin oil pumpkin oil is actually derived by the seeds and um it's just like the way they do sesame oil kind of but um, I topped it with sesame oil and that mixture all together was just, oh, so beautiful. It was tasty. Yeah, it probably has a little bit of that, like toastiness and, uh, I will have to send you the recipe and get yourself a canned puree and you'll have to do it, Mariah. Um, I also did make some pumpkin stuffed ricotta shells this week. Um, we added a lot of cheese because we like cheese in the house. So yeah, I have please to kind tell of... me how to make those because I am obsessed with ricotta. Yeah, I'm going to have to figure out the recipe a little bit more, but there was sage in it and um, 
oh, it, sage and pumpkin match beautiful. And then we topped it with bacon. So good. Yum. But so for like the bacon s- on the outside of the ravioli, like after. Yeah. So, um, well, I can see that being so good with like a brown butter. Bacon. Yeah. Oh, God. I actually, that sounds really good. I might have to do that too next time and drizzle on top. But it was just bacon crumbles, but I like the brown butter sauce to it and then add extra sage to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm getting hungry. Like a sage basted brown butter. Yes. Now, oh God, that sounds so good. <laughs> I haven't had dinner yet. <laughs> Sorry. Um, on the sweet side, we will do two different ones again. Um, I'm just adding a little bit more to the variety on this one, especially since pumpkin has been so prevalent in, you know, indigenous culture and also very um special to the Day of the Dead. So I'm actually going to be using one of the recipes for that. It is a kabaza and thacha, which is basically candied pumpkin. Hmm. And it's super easy. It's basically just pumpkin, cinnamon sticks, water, orange if you want. Is it like whole pumpkin, like chunks of pumpkin, or is it like canned yeah, pumpkin? Yeah, it, it's chunks of pumpkin because you're going to, you're like, you want to cut it into little chunks because you're going to simmer it in simple syrup basically. So it's going to be like the, sh- the sugar, the cinnamon sticks, the orange, and the water. And then you put the pumpkins in there and then you simmer it all together until like the pumpkins become tender. And then you take them out and then bring this like syrup back to a boil until it gets a little bit thicker. And you add the pumpkin into it and you spoon over like the stuff like the uh, simple syrup on it so oh i see and i'll end our last recipe on a pumpkin cheesecake because you can't go wrong with cheesecake i know everybody wants a pumpkin pie i get it but pumpkin cheesecake yes that is pumpkin cheesecake cheesecake is delicious you mix cream cheese and pumpkin pie like it's pumpkin pie mix but i'm sure you can do your normal puree and add your flavors to it. And yeah, you just have to probably add more sugar. Oh, yeah. You've just figured out. And then you got your pumpkin spice mix and you add, oh, pumpkin cheesecake. But do you have to get way. it to the same? Do you, is there like a certain consistency you have to get it to? You know what I mean? If you use, if you add like sugar or spices, um, no, those dry because... ingredients to those wet ingredients of the pumpkin puree and the cheese, uh, the cream cheese. No, is that going to mess it up? I don't know how that works. I will say no on that because the pumpkin puree and the pumpkin um, pie like mix are the exact same consistency. The pumpkin pie mix is just added sugar and spices to it already. So it's. But I'm saying if you add like sugar and spices which are dry ingredients to the pumpkin puree, won't that dry it out a little bit? If it looks a little dry, you just add a little bit more of the like cream cheese and that will mellow it out. Like that, that consistency, especially if you're, um, how you incorporate your sugar, you don't need that much sugar and that sugar is not going to make it super thick. Like those spices and stuff are just going to incorporate it into the mash of the pumpkin anyways. I know we didn't throw it in there, but I'll also try to throw in some uh, pumpkin seed recipe if possible, just so we yeah. aren't 
just losing all the good stuff of a pumpkin. We want to use all the stuff in it. So mm-hmm. that was a very well, little, I'm sorry, it was a little long-winded, but. That was longer. This episode was longer than I thought it would be, honestly. I didn't realize that there was so much into pumpkins. Who would have thought? Well, uh, I will say everybody who's been using them for 10,000 years. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. All right. Well, on that note. Where can you find us, Raya? You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Eat Me, Drink Me Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Eat Me, Drink Me Pod. And you can email us at eatmedrinkmepodcast at gmail.com. We highly encourage you send in, you know, your ideas for future episodes. Maybe if you have any recipe ideas that you want to do with a specific topic, uh, we're happy to cover all of those. So whether they are food or booze, it does not matter. Absolutely. I am so open to future um, drink pairings. And if you grow any of this food yourself or butcher these animals yourself um (laughs) send us your stories and let us know yeah we want to hear yeah because we genuinely are interested in the whole entire process of everything we want to know i mean we try to cut back a lot of our nerdiness on this because it's just extreme um but i personally would like to know the whole manufacturing process of how to make you know fanta or whatever i i think it's fascinating so i want to know your story growing the pumpkins myself just seeing that from a seed to the vine to like actual finished product has been crazy but like you we not everybody gets that experience and if anybody knows how to allow others to actually know what's going on in the world of their food it's important absolutely so uh feel free to reach out to us and um always remember don't cook bacon naked bye-bye bye-bye